0: Welcome to Real Raw and Racialized, a podcast where we talk about how race has affected our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We share our personal stories to talk about how race has shaped our lens of the world and how we operate in it. My name is Erlinda, and I would like to introduce my guest, Nicole. She is a strong advocate for mental health. She identifies as a Hispanic woman. Welcome, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, so. For my first question, as I start all my conversations, could you tell us about a time where you felt, uh, the first time where you felt you were a racialized being?
1: Sure, so I remember really distinctly being at elementary school, I was probably in first or second grade, and we were doing a family tree of just kind of identifying like our family. And growing up as a Puerto Rican, um, as a Puerto Rican, I would call my aunt and uncle Fifi and Theo that's just kind of like how we would call aunt and uncle and I remember saying that to my class and everyone kind of like snickering and laughing and I legitimately did not know that other people used aunt and uncle like I think I knew those words but I just kind of knew them as like how I knew them as like Fifi and Theo so I remember like being really confused and thought that I was in the right and I was like do you not call your aunt and uncle Fifi and Theo and then anyway so that was probably the first time I remember I was like different I don't want for lack of a better word than anyone else and remember having that conversation with my mom that we were Puerto Rican and that's why we said things differently than other people
0: did you not know you were Puerto Rican before that meeting or did you just not realize that like Puerto Rican is different
1: yes I that's I appreciate that clarification I knew I was Puerto Rican but I this sounds really silly but being a kid I don't think I knew that everyone else wasn't you know what I mean I think I was like figuring out the world as we all do as young kids. And I think I just thought, yeah, to your point, I think I knew I was different. Not that like I knew I was Puerto Rican, but.
0: For sure. So when, when you did have this experience, did that, were you able to talk to any friends about that? No. So I grew up
1: um, in South Florida originally. So meaning I was in a pretty diverse community. But I don't really remember talking to friends about it, but I remember really distinctly, which is probably why I have you know really clear memory for me today, that it was the first time I was like embarrassed of like, oh, I kind of like, should I just say aunt and uncle now to like to fit in? And I, so maybe the opposite, like I wish I had community, you know what I mean, to talk through and I remember talking to my cousins about it, but I think that was the first time that I was like, oh, maybe I want to hide the fact that I'm Hispanic because of the reaction that that my classmates had.
0: Yeah. Did you tell your mom you felt embarrassed?
1: You know, it's funny because I don't, I say all of that now. I don't know if I had the language back then. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? I just can like look at my life now and know I think that's what set the seed of, which is kind of unfortunately a theme in my life of trying to to fit in as, cause I, I am white passing. So I was like, oh, if I just like, don't use these words, I can fit in kind of thing. So to your point, I don't remember having that conversation cause I don't think I had the language for it. That's just how I see it now. If that makes sense.
0: No. Yeah, totally. I think, I think that's really similar to like a lot of children where like, oh, people laughed at me. I, sh- this then is a bad thing and I should not do it or I should not do this because like that's how I felt about my name for a very long time growing up because like people wouldn't know Mm. how to say it people would make fun of it people would try to make a nickname out of it and I'd be like now I realize the word is I was embarrassed about my name but back then yeah I would have I think I wanted to be named Lynn for like a really big part of my life really (laughs) Yeah, like I would draw. Not that I'm not into it now. So I'm like really into manga, even more so when I was a child. And I would draw comics, and I would draw myself into comics, and I would name my character Lynn. Uh, so I really wanted to be mm-hmm. named Lynn for a very long time, um, even though, Erlyn does like not that far, but. <laughs> but yeah.
1: No, I'm curious. Was it just easier to say and like more like white passing? Is that why you? was that the root why you wanted it
0: or just you just disliked that name? I think I just liked it. I don't know if it was, I don't know if I would have thought about it being white passing as a child, but I think it was like True. close enough to my name and not hard that I was like, yeah, this person's name is Lynn. Um, my middle name is Carmen. And so people would uh say like Carmen San Diego, and I also didn't like that so I was like mm-hmm. Lynn feels the safest that yeah. makes sense
1: yeah one well, I think that so and I know you've probably said other guests that probably talk about that the just how, like you're saying as kids how we see the world and we can put words to how we were feeling men that we didn't have
0: back then yeah and I think that's the other like, part is you like you feel embarrassed I- you know what I mean Yeah, like I I think right now, this conversation of like kids don't see race, and I think these are like examples that we may not see it as race, but we understand that it's different. And so for like parents to then have that conversation with us to be like, this is what it means, this is where it comes from, this is how you then um, tackle it, I guess, or like address it could be a good word and like a good conversation to have with children I think then for then your story is like how did you figure out how to how to deal with it because like you said you were white passing did you then just like what I've learned a lot of people do is kind of like hide the differences to then survive the rest of the world yeah no and it's it
1: that's quite literally what I did because I grew up, like I said, in South Florida. So I, I say that because I felt I wasn't as embarrassed then just because I so I was white passing, but I had a the last name Rodriguez. So obviously, you know, uh, overtly Hispanic. And so I didn't feel that way as much in South Florida, but I really feel like I felt that way to what you were saying. I really did that more in Birmingham when I moved to Alabama when I was twelve. And I definitely like I remember, which is it's so sad now meaning because I just I I feel for my my younger self but in middle school when I moved to Birmingham and they would do um, when they would take attendance I knew obviously just kind of like where they were at in the alphabet by the last name so when I knew they were getting to me and they would just say Nicole I would just say oh I'm here because I didn't want them to say Rodriguez like I would try to cut them off I know and it's one of those things I never thought much about it and then again when you have the language for things and through therapy and all those things I'm like that's just so sad that I really felt that way you know what I mean that I was like I really did not want people to know which they were going to know my last name regardless so I don't know why I thought that was going to change everything but um so hopefully that answers the Mm -hmm. question so I didn't feel that way as much in South Florida but I did more when I moved to Alabama.
0: Yeah that's actually interesting cuz my first automatic reaction in hearing this story I thought you would cut them off because they would mispronounce Rodriguez as opposed to you not wanting people to know that you're a Rodriguez.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, for I don't know if I got lucky cuz obviously that's absolutely an issue but with you know with, with a, a cultural like name that a lot of people typically white people don't always know and you're right I don't think that was my thought process. It was more, I don't want to out myself because I was white-passing to be known as Hispanic. Again, they would have known my last name, but I thought I was doing something <laughs> in middle school, I guess.
0: I mean, for sure, when you're in middle school, you kind of just do whatever makes sense, whatever protects the image you have of yourself.
1: Yes. So sad now, but yes, I was trying to fit in.
0: I think during that time, do you think it worked? Do you think it helped?
1: You know, I don't know if it did, but it helped me. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it helped me, but I, but I don't know if it actually did anything. So I don't know (laughs) how to answer that. You know what I mean? It's like, I felt better doing it, but, but yeah, probably didn't do much.
0: Um, because we've been talking a lot about how, like, as we've gotten older and matured, um, and kind of have been learn the language for it. I guess when then did you realize like, oh, I am, I am actively hiding parts of me to fit in.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would probably say when I moved to Birmingham because, I, so that was going into seventh grade. And when we moved to Birmingham, I didn't know much because that was really before, I mean, we had the internet, and you know, what we have now but it wasn't like I could watch TikToks or videos of knowing what Birmingham was like, you know what I mean? So I don't think I knew the amount of racism that I was about to be in for, for like, you know what I mean? So I remember kind of like feeling that out when I got to my middle school and was like, wow, I went from being one of like many like Rodriguez's. And that was like, obviously it's a really common Hispanic last name, which I was the only Rodriguez in my grade. And it was very white. So I I think I remember in in seventh grade starting to make that distinction to what you were saying of, oh, I am very much trying to hide who I am because I would hear how other kids talked about other Hispanic people and was like, Mm. I don't want to be like, you know what I mean? So I remember being like, oh, like now I know who I don't want to know I'm Hispanic. You know what I mean? Hearing how they would talk. But yeah, so I would say about 12.
0: Yeah, like you didn't want to be your name didn't want to be linked to like, I guess these negative stereotypes, assumingly,
1: yes, yes. And that was really, I would say, the first time, because what happened in in first and second grade was more of like, oh, maybe I'm just like different, but I was I didn't experience any like racism. You know what I mean? It was more like when I moved to Birmingham that I was like, oh, people are mean. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there is an actual thing called racism that very much exists. so. All that to say, I would say about 12 years old.
0: I feel like it's hard to have that realization at 12 years old to to be like, oh, I don't want to be that different. Did you talk to anyone about that? like Whether it be your mom, other family members, siblings, friends?
1: Yeah, I didn't have many friends in middle school, but I definitely remember like that was a time that I remember having a lot more emotional intelligence obviously than I did when I was six or seven when that first incident happened. But no, I I started therapy that year. I very much talked to my mom and my dad about it because I think it was an interesting we all were experiencing that change. You know, my mom was even like, Wow, yeah, like I'm not fitting in at the elementary school for my sister. She wanted to be like a room mom and anyway it's the whole other thing. So she, I think we all really It brought us closer as a family because we all were like, where the heck did our dad just move us to? Because we all are really not enjoying it, um, for lack of a better word. But yeah, not as much friends, but I, I definitely remember talking about like actual racism and things like that with my family. And we were all really open about it. And like I said, I was in therapy as well.
0: Wow, I really appreciate that. You're probably one of the first guests I've had who are like, no, we talked about it really openly with each other and that brought us closer I guess what backtrack what um are your parents also white passing
1: yeah well so it's funny because I think they are but my friends don't think they are you know what I mean so it's Mm. like I would think that they are but according to other people they are not but my mom grew up in Puerto Rico so she obviously knew English because her her dad was from Poland long story she's half so meaning she always spoke English to my, my grandfather but growing up in Puerto Rico Spanish was obviously taught more primarily so meaning she still has an accent to this day and my dad was from the Bronx so well my mom's originally like there too so I feel like it wasn't even just like racism of being Hispanic in Birmingham we also just didn't fit in because we were like from the north too it was you know what I mean so I think people just knew we stuck out and then yeah so i wouldn't say they're i feel like they're white passing but then my sister is adopted and half black and half half hispanic so she is not so um i don't know i think with our last name people assumed we weren't i guess i don't
0: know um i guess with that what was that like to then also hear the experiences your parents were having as adults and then the experiences you were having as a middle schooler
1: Yeah. So this is, so I know we weren't really talking about religion specifically, but I feel like if that's okay, it really ties into that too. Mm -hmm. I grew up really Catholic, like a lot of Hispanic, I mean, not all obviously, but at least in my, it was really common. You know, a lot of Hispanics that I know are Catholic. And for me, it was my worldview changed to, to your question, because I feel like I was like, oh, all of these people are so Christian-like but then we're all like, I remember seeing my mom cry and my dad, like really experienced just like really blatant racism. And it was just like, I thought we were in the Bible belt and thought people would be nicer. So to answer your question, I feel like it really changed this worldview of like, Oh, Christian doesn't equal just like good person. I don't know. You know, as a kid, Mm. you're trying to to make sense of the world, if that is clear. So Mm -hmm. it was harder for me because I feel like my my faith was so strong at that point, And I really lost a lot of it because I was like, these people are claiming to be really Christian. You know what I mean? Living in Alabama and in the Bible Belt. And I wasn't feeling that way. And it was really hard to see as any kid to see my parents embarrassed and, and shame and, and remembering how my mom used to be. And she is now, I'm glad she is back to herself, but really outgoing. And, you know, and I, I saw her kind of become more timid in social settings, so I think it was harder just to see my family almost change to fit the mold if that makes sense um so like again didn't have the language for it but I think that's the more sad part of like I really saw my family just change to fit in
0: yeah I think then to that point it seemed like you all did it together as a sort of like protective mechanism Mm -hmm. which I think is completely makes sense but to your point of like you see your mom coming back when do you think your family kind of made that point of like okay we're done doing this we don't need to do this we'll be fine
1: yeah I would say you know and I think like any type of journey we all did it differently I think my dad was probably the first one to be like you know what I'm over it. I'm just going to be me. So I would say probably since I was in high school, he was just pretty much himself. My mom was probably more when I was in college. So I'm being very selfish right now that I know my family's timeline within my own timeline of college. But I think we all do that. So more, I guess, like my early 20s, I feel like is was what my mom did. And my sister, you know, talking about she had a, a different journey because one, she didn't really look like my parents. So there was not, to, you know, obviously her story is different and she encountered more than I had to, and she is not white passing. So meaning I think she always, unfortunately had to be more out than I did because it was more obvious. So I don't know if she ever, like she struggled in the same ways that we did, but she didn't really hide it because she wasn't really able to, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. it's It's, I can completely understand when it's like harder to hide. And then I feel like on top of that, the identity of being adopted, I feel like would probably then present a whole other layer to that. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that's, it's understandable. I think then also as a follow-up question to that, really thinking then of um, just even how you saw where you grew up and like what it was like living in Alabama to be the one, a few Rodriguez families. I know you kind of talked oh, about it already, but to... just like expanding on it.
1: Yeah, no, I was just going to say there's a lot. Well, I feel like this is not, this is not exactly what you're asking, but I feel like it'll give context to why I felt that way. One of the first times I experienced like blatant racism, not just like, you know, the, I don't even know what you call like a microaggression, I guess to be the word when you're around people and they make jokes about Hispanic people. So it wasn't like to me, but I still experienced microaggressions, you know what I mean? Meaning the first time it was blatant towards me was when I sprained my ankle on basketball. I played basketball and I just like sprained my ankle doing whatever. And I had to, like, I had to use crutches and someone had asked me if I fell hopping the border and it didn't really make sense to me at first because I'm not Mexican. Again, nothing wrong with being Mexican. I think that was, I was like, I knew Puerto Rican was not the same thing as Mexican, so I think it was one of those eye-opening moments of and it unfortunately only got worse people just don't even know the difference among Hispanic like identities you know what I mean they just assumed I was Mexican so all that being said I think I just always having to explain myself and always having to deal with well like when did you immigrate? like when did your family immigrate and having to explain you just move from Puerto Rico like we are US citizens you know what i mean um so i think it was just more difficult growing up here be, or in alabama because it was you had to always ask yourself is are they just not educated or like ignorant or they just like blatantly know and still being racist that hopefully that makes sense but it was um it was difficult to say the least i i would say it was really kind of felt like i was in a fishbowl on display sometimes be, be, you know i was in a very predominantly white area so
0: yeah it's interesting cuz i've actually f- have dealt with similar things like when people ask like what microaggressions do filipinos get i'm always like i don't know because i've always been microaggressed as mexican so like i've also gotten those um where like like my brother was would tell me also because I grew up closer to the border than you are, which is also interesting. Um, Living in like Texas and Arizona. Um, But like, I remember my friend, my brother's telling me stories about how his friends would make Mexican jokes and then he'd walk up and they'd be like, oh, we gotta be quiet, Vince is here. And he'd be like, y'all know I'm not Mexican though, right? Or um, uh, so I did theater in high school and we would do um, like paper plate, Awards at the end of like your show, um, so I did tech, and I remember my mm-hmm. senior year, the paper plate me and my friend got was token Mexican, and I and like all the tech, all the tech people knew, what? yeah, I that was our award was we got the token Mexican award. Um, she was actually Mexican, but she's like also white passing, also like very different, and every tech person knew that I wasn't Mexican at all it was like the actors who decided on these awards and everyone was like, why would y'all give that to her? And it was like a whole thing. But again, I also didn't have the language at that time to be like, this was fucking racist, but exactly. Um, yes. But I very much felt embarrassed of like, what were y'all even thinking? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And I think to that point, it's like, I think it's like really hard for people to understand differences. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also why I do this podcast, um, to really <laughs> think about um, how people are different and also how people are the same, um, depending on mm-hmm. region, culture, background. Um, but I guess to that point, like that as a middle schooler, right? Like when you're playing basketball, like that's also really hard. Like, yeah. I guess I didn't truly understand like border jokes until I moved to Arizona, because I feel like the border was closer mm-hmm. then. Did you get that? Like when you were like in middle school?
1: No, it took me a, a second. And, you know, and I remember being like, no, like, I think I, I think he just I was like the border of like the gym, like, you know, I, I literally yeah. did not get it at first, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of glad that I didn't get it at first. But I remember then it was like, when the snickering happened, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's, it's funny because it sounds like such a small moment, but for years I couldn't tell that story without crying. Like meaning I remember just like the laugh, like everyone's in on the joke and you're not, you know what I mean? And I think as a kid, clearly I'm 29 and I'm still talking about this moment, you know what I mean? It was a really difficult moment. And so I think by the snickering, I was like, oh, this is like a Mexican joke you know what I mean? So to your, cause I was not familiar with those jokes um, to begin with. And then I was like, I thought it was a dumb joke. Cause I wasn't even well. one, it's really racist. <laughs> so obviously it's terrible. But to your point, I was like, I'm not even Mexican. So like, what? why are we making this joke? Um, but then I realized that most people in Alabama just assume if you're Spanish, you're Mexican. So,
0: yeah, I think to your point that like now you're I think that's around the,
1: the world or the, the country too. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Still
1: talking about it.
0: I think to that point though, that you're, you're 29 now and still talking about it. I think though, that a lot of people forget, like these are developmental years for children. Um, and so like, these are like things that impact who we become and like solidify. Um, but I think like you said, like, as we mature, as we learn, as we go through therapy, then we're like, okay, now I have words for this. Now I get what this was or like, I did this to protect myself in a time Mm -hmm. where it just flat out sucked.
1: Yeah. And I think the other part about the South, and I don't know if you, I know we were in different parts of the South, you know what I mean? And then Texas and obviously Alabama that you grew up in, but I think for me, one of the most annoying parts that hasn't gone away, I feel like, or it did go away when I married my husband and took his last name, which is a whole other identity issue we can get into. But was the idea of the luxury that people have when you say, like, where are you from? And they would always be like, oh, I'm I'm from Hoover, Alabama, from Birmingham. And I would miss a lot of videos about this. I know I'm not the only one. I can see by your face. You probably know where I'm going with this. I hated that part of living in Alabama because they're like, where are you from? And I would be like, and I knew, I knew where they were going. Like I learned as I got older, I was like, I'm from, I'm from Birmingham, but no, like where are you from? Like it was this, and I don't know if they meant it in that way, but it was this constant reminder that I didn't belong. You know what I mean? Like, and that's yeah. how I interpreted it. it. Is I was like, oh, I'm an outsider, even though I've lived here for like since I was twelve. It's always like, where are you from? Meaning, like, I know you're not from here.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyways, I ha- to
1: your point about that being a really, yeah.
0: Yeah, I also hated that question because um, it would be like, "Where are you from?" No, where are you? where are you really from where's your family from where are your people from and I'd be like yes what what are you really trying to ask or the one that I really hate that I I feel like I've gotten recently and I still really hate it though I think when I was younger I wouldn't have picked up on it comparatively to now when people are like what are you because I've gotten that a few times as an adult and be as an adult I'm like a person but I think if I got asked that as a child, and I'm pretty sure I've been like, I also wouldn't, I've been like, what are you asking? Um, Cause like, exactly. I've, I've gotten that now. And then people will be like, are you native? I'm like, is that really how you're asking me what my ethnicity is? Like, that's how we're asking. What are you? Yes.
1: I've learned to stop being surprised at how, pe- what people will ask you because people don't have a filter sometimes. And my mom loves to do, like, she obviously still has, I, I don't think she has an accent at all, but I've heard from friends, people still think she has an accent. And she'll be, if, if they, people ask her, she's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm from Ireland. Like straight up just to like, not make any sense. Like she loves doing that. She's, she'll be like, yeah, I'm from like Sweden and they like look at her funny and she does not care like she's just doing it just piss them off and just to be a fresh, I
0: love that I love that is amazing same
1: I love it (laughs) I should start yeah clearly she's not but it's just like yeah well yes like yeah I'm from Sweden you know because it's like yeah
0: she should start actually answering Norway because I feel like Norway is actually as more and more singers and like dancers I've seen come out of Norway who aren't white I'm like wow Norway must be like more diverse than I actually think it is so maybe she should start saying Norway interesting or Argentina because from yeah, also I that was like a yeah because also what I've heard from most folks is that Argentinians tend to be like white and blonde and blue eyed. so I'm like oh good to know yes but that's I, another I do... thing
1: is the whole like not to quote oh Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say not to quote mean girls, but then I always would get the, oh, you're Puerto Rican, but you look so white. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, well, you can't win sometimes.
0: What if, what do you, how do you respond when people say that to you?
1: I try to educate them. And I only brought that up. And maybe when you were saying, because people forget Hispanics can be blonde hair, blue eyed. You know what I mean? There are obviously a lot of different types. There's also like black Hispanic. You know what I mean, there's obviously a lot of ethnicities. With Hispanic, So, um, you know, normally I would just kind of like laugh about it, but I think deeper down when you have all the language for things and again through therapy and just realizing why I kind of always like struggled with self confidence and identity. It was like, I never felt like I was either like I was like not white enough to be white. Right, but then I wasn't Hispanic enough to be Hispanic so like I was like I don't know where I fit in, because I, I didn't feel like I fit in either place.
0: Um, To that point. Could you explain then why you identify as Hispanic versus Latina?
1: You know, I wish I had a better answer to that because meaning my mom, that's just how she's always said it. And she has her own kind of qualms about Latinx and just doesn't love the term, which is, and I, I'm not against that term by any means. Like I know a lot of people really embrace it. And I'm a firm believer, like, if as long as the person is okay with what they're being identified as you know what I mean like if you claim Latinx and you believe like that's great um so to be honest I don't know if that's like age why you know what I mean like if that's so I just feel like I did Hispanic because that's what I've always seen her and my dad do Mm -hmm. but now that you ask me that I really should learn more about why I do you know what I mean I think that was just I kind of always saw what my parents how they identified themselves and Um, I use the same language
0: so yeah for sure I think a better answer no because I think even to that point well one a lot of people get confused so I wanted to ask why secondly to that point growing up Mm -hmm. I would get into arguments with friends about whether or not we were Pacific Islanders or not and their reasoning was Mm -hmm. we're an island in the Pacific and my parents have always said we're Asian so in my brain I'm like no we're Asian also my argument to them saying it's an island in the Pacific, I'm like, so is Japan. That's not a good reason. Um, good point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so that's why I'm like, oh, that makes sense because my parents have always said we're Asian so thus, that's how I identify. Um, but also to that point, watching my Latin friends fill out the census for the first time because according to the census, Hispanic or Latin is not a race you like fill that out in like the mm-hmm. second half like I guess what was that like the first time you to fill that usually. Out? yeah like what was that because I watched them mm-hmm. get really confused how to pick did you also have that same experience
1: oh absolutely yes and I remember that even from like growing up to like when I would do like the ACT you know what I mean like any test even before the census just how I and I think that was when I really learned. Because even obviously it was a growing experience for me because I was like, what race am I? Because I was like, am I Hispanic? I kind of thought that was my race, right? Like that's the whole, there's a whole, obviously a, a caveat of like, is it an ethnicity, whatever. Um, So I was always told to put white and then ethnicity Hispanic. But that's, again, that's what my parents said. So that's what I've always chosen um to do if there's an option because there are sometimes you know it'll say like white hispanic or like non-white or white non-hispanic so it kind of just depends but I think it was was another reminder of like this form was not meant for me you know what I mean like this form was a little bit more complicated because I didn't always know how to fill it out and looking back I don't even think I was consistent there's probably times that I put hispanic probably times I put white you know what I mean I don't know so
0: for sure watching Watching my friends yeah. also try to figure it out um, was very... Cause they, so one is Mexican and one is Colombian and they literally sat there being like, so are we white or are we black? And so one had figured out like, they're like, I think I'm white Hispanic. And the other is like, I think I'm black Hispanic but they literally sat there for a bit being like, how do we fill this out? Um, Cause that yeah. was like, kind of like, or at least when I started noticing that forms wouldn't say like Latin or Hispanic at the top it would be like in the Mm -hmm. ethnicity section um which would also be weird when like I would also have to fill out being like I'm not white nor am I Hispanic and I was like this just feels like an extra step Mm. that I don't need to fill out but okay
1: exactly yes one you're never really taught or maybe I I wasn't so maybe I'll be more mindful um, if and when I have children of how to fill those out (laughs) because I was never really taught, you know what I mean? How to fill that out. And I think that's a, a privilege. You know? I mean, if you don't have to worry about that, but I was like, yeah, to your point, clearly that's something we've, a lot of us are, have um, in, like encountered as an obstacle.
0: Yeah. Um, because my husband is mixed. I've asked him like, how does he fill it out? And he absolutely hates those like questions. Cause sometimes you only get one option. And then the only other option is like other. And he's like, I hate having to fill out other. It's like it sucks, and so I think to mm-hmm. your point um, about how do we teach kids how to fill out forms. But I'm also hoping that forms change. But who knows? I know.
1: I, we, we've come uh, like trying to be positive. I think we, we're meaning we collectively as a society. Because even you know, I had clients that identified within the um, at the LGBTQ. Sorry, I can't talk. Community, which I. Do not identify as, but I'm so kind of related, kind of not to Eddie's point about filling out the other was. It's like another reminder, you know what I mean, that you don't fit in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's just like an, another kind of like. So, anyways, I I'm, I hope that we do come a long way and not making people feel that way. You know, it's like an I don't know, just another added thing of like, oh, I'm different. You know what I mean? I'm an other.
0: So for sure, um, I think also then to to the point of like your parents never telling you really like how to fill out the forms because I don't think anyone teaches you how to fill out the forms. I guess even more so, how do you think like your family dynamics has impacted like how you see the world? Like I very much appreciate that you and your family like got together to talk about all the incidences together but are there other parts, I guess, of your family dynamics that you're like, wow, this is different. I gotta realize that this is different.
1: I hope this is kind of what you're asking I think I experienced what a lot of people again not acting like I'm the first one to experience this when I said we were all at different stages of acceptance honestly of like where we were of just like assimilating to a new culture because that doesn't sound like it's a big culture change but South Florida Alabama really is a culture change so I'll just kind of use assimilation for lack of a better word right now um So to your point, I feel like, yes, we all talked about it as a family, everyone understood. But I think at the time my parents, I think they had more foundation and more confidence of like their heritage and all of that stuff, but they were not in those, they were experiencing that for the first time as like grown adults, where me and my sister were experiencing it to your point earlier and like really important like years of like how we develop as humans in our worldview. So to all of that point, I do feel like there was a strain on the family because I very much abandoned my Puerto Rican. Like I, 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 I literally did change to call most of my aunt and uncle and aunt, uncle because I, like, I really be, Oh it, yeah. I'm not proud of it. Obviously I don't feel that way now, but to the family dynamic, I do think it was hard when like my parents still were trying like, again, like, like a lot of, um, minority identity and cultures, they were trying to hold on to like their Puerto Rican, you know, just like the food she would make and like talking to family and I would like not I don't want any of it. Like I was like, I just am turning my like for really all intent purposes, I just like turned my back on it. You know, I was literally like, I want to fit in, like I'm I'm white and I'm just gonna embrace it. So I do think that impacted our family dynamic because I think like my parents again like most parents were like I didn't learn Spanish. <laughs> like, I don't know Spanish because I just kind of rejected it. So, again, hopefully, I don't know if that's exactly what you're asking, but I do feel like it impacted my family dynamic because me and my sister were like, we are not Spanish, which we were obviously. But we just did not want to embrace it. My mom was like very much trying to like, hold on to it, you know, like for our family. And I was just like, no. So, um, I do think that put a strain on us for a lo- not now, but I think for a long time we had that
0: strain because you mentioned food were you one of the kids who like was like i only want american lunch do not give me like con pollo. yes like don't give yes. me yes yes oh my gosh
1: yes because that's so funny Linda. that's another elementary school trauma memory i'm kidding it was not but as a kid it was my mom said we would eat vienna sausages but we call them sacichas. that's just like the word that we use for them um, and she would make it with rice too. And I remember be and I remember kids being like, what is that smell? And I, you know, just again, really silly now, but again, in, in really formative years, it was not silly. So I very much did that. I was like, I only want American lunch. Like, do not feed me like, or, or she would have like a tostones and, and she would put it in my lunchbox. And I was like, no, like, and I, I love, I, I always loved the food. I just did not bring it to school. So sad, you know, and I love that you're offering space to have this conversation because it's like so healing now, you know, I'm not in that same place, but it just kind of shows you how insidious racism is. You know what I mean? That it, I really was just like, I got made fun of for this. I want nothing to do with it, you know?
0: And it's sad, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because um, me and another guest um had talked about like things we've been made fun of that like are like really popular now. Like I think kids now. Mm. Um, like for example, one thing that, um, I mentioned this in another episode, but one thing that really gets to me is like the popularity of bidets right now. Um, because growing up, so in like Filipino culture, it's called a tabo. It's like what you use to wash yourself Mm. going to the bathroom and my household, it was a squeeze bottle. It made it really easy. But I remember growing up, like people would be like, why do you have a squeeze bottle next to your bathroom? Like, or next to your toilet? That's really weird. And so I had always grown up being like, don't have one. This is really weird. People think you're weird. Don't, mm-hmm. don't make it noticeable. Um, and now people are raving about bidets. And I'm like, that's the same concept. Why are, yes. why are people that now- most of the world uses? <laughs> yeah. And like, everyone is raving about them. Everyone's like, you've got to get one. And I'm just like, these are things I got made up like made fun for made fun of for and now it's like super popular um so it's just like really interesting how things back in the day were things that made us feel different and now they're like completely accepted now so I think then um for your lunches were you then the kid who's like just give me lunchables
1: Yes. But we, I grew up, I grew up, um, lower SCS. So it's, it's funny that you mentioned Lunchables because my dad was like, I'm not paying for Lunchables. That's a waste of money. So my mom, sweet mom, if she ever listens to this, I hope she knows. I still remember this. She would make me Lunchables. Like she would literally cut That's my so ham cute. in circles. No, yes. It like literally and give me like saltine crackers, you know, for like the little base and cut my cheese and square anyways and I'm not even making that up she was yeah she's a great mom but no for she sure she made us lunchables
0: <laughs> lunchables are so expensive that's why I was like it's a special day when I get a lunchables especially the pizza ones Yes, if I was like yes oh I got this is a treat I got a pizza lunchable um but that is so cute that your mom like cut them out for you yes that's yes so
1: because I. I Obviously, I'm sure we could have afforded them, but like you said, I mean, they really were like unnecessarily expensive. So she was mm-hmm. like, clearly, we could just get ham and cheese in bulk and all that stuff. Yeah, no, it was very sweet, and and she.
0: Yeah, have you when seen the afford- Lunchables now? They're like full on boxes now, and they come with a drink. I'm just like, are they? What? Yeah, they're full on boxes. Oh my god! And like, I've seen one where it's like a full on sub inside. It's like, what is this? This is not what I grew up. Oh my on. gosh. Yeah, they're very more,
1: they're, no yeah and I used to so love the hot dog now. ones too
0: oh I've never yeah had, there's and a I, hot looking dog back one? I
1: don't think I would eat yes they used to be like small anyway I probably wouldn't eat them now but it was a good day if I got a lunchable to, yeah. to your point so that's funny that we had that same experience I was like oh
0: um, we have money today if I have for real um too though a lot of our conversations have been like I have now unlearned a lot of these things. I guess, what was the process for you in unlearning? Ooh,
1: Um, that's a good question. I think unlearning is uncomfortable because I I think I just got used to the status quo that I had kind of made for my life. You know what I mean? So I think like any type of growing can be uncomfortable. But I think for me too, it was um, dealing with a lot of the, shame of wow like look how much I really let other people dictate my life of like look how much I like to this day I really don't know a lot of Spanish like how sad is that you know what I mean so it's more I feel like for me it was the guilt and shame of like and almost trying to catch back up of if that is the right term of like no because now you know really after since college I feel like I have really wanted to get more back into my culture um So I think it was just hard, like I said, to accept the, sorry, to recap what I just said, to accept the guilt and shame that I felt and also just to realize, um, because I think I always did not agree with everyone around me in Alabama, but I still picked up on some things just because of where I grew up primarily. I feel like you do a lot of your growing up after 12. You know what I mean? Um, Where I had to unlearn some things that I had learned from down here, if that makes sense. Like there's like some things that stuck to me that I wouldn't say are are like racist, but hope oh, I'm making. This. I had to unlearn just kind of of like what my society around me had kind of taught me. If that makes sense, yeah. I had like, because like, no, to... I grew up here, does not mean I agree with them.
0: Yeah, like you had to like identify the internalized racism and then like yes. unlearn it. Yeah, because um, yeah, as an Asian American, I very much believed in the minor. Um, Uh, model minority myth. Like I totally subscribed to Mm. it. And then in college, when I actually learned about it and the harmfulness of it and where it came from, I was like, oh, okay. Now I understand like, this is, this is something I've internalized that I really shouldn't have. And like, these are steps I need to take. Um, But to that point, like I very much know and have met very many people who um, have had uh, similar experiences to you and really being like, wow, I have to unlearn all these things. What steps have you taken to kind of dive back in your culture and just unlearn? And like, what advice would you give to others?
1: Yeah, so I would not, as far as advice, I would not push it. Like, I think I had to be ready to do it. Like, I feel like I knew when I was ready and had more of a foundation of just as my identity and myself after college so meaning I think if I was pushed to do this younger I don't think it would have worked if that makes sense my advice is really just like to meet yourself where you're at of wherever you are in in your journey you know what I mean of being what we all are human to the the title of your podcast we are like a, a racial being but anyways to that point meet yourself where you're at but as far as the steps it's more of listening to music for me has been a really big one because there's so many like his like Spanish songs growing up like Mark Anthony CD or, or just a lot of things that I remember my mom really listening to and it and kind of a silly thing but just the music for me has been really healing of like all the memories that, that come with music and just hearing the words I'm like oh like I do know like a lot more Spanish then I give myself credit for even just trying to watch shows in Spanish with English subtitles has been something I've tried to do just to like relearn Spanish. Cause I can understand a lot of it. I just never practiced really speaking it because again, I was white. Remember I did not want to speak Spanish. Um, but I, and I also just like talking more to my family members about their experiences in Puerto Rico. And I think what also really helped is unfortunately everything that's happened in Puerto Rico in the past 10 years of, just kind of seeing where a lot of my family grew up is no longer there. Like they were really impacted by the hurricane. So really trying to just kind of learn more about the island that really shaped my family, Um, which is kind of hard not to get political because a whole other thing. You know what I mean? To advocate for Puerto Rico, that unfortunately needs a lot of help right now. Um, But I I would say those are the steps that I've been taking. Have you ever been to Puerto Rico? Oh yeah, I have a few times. But I haven't been recently. I was a sophomore in high school the last time I went. Hmm. And that's another type of grief seeing my mom and aunt really grieve just with all the hurricanes of like hmm. all the places that they would have loved to shown us that aren't there. So that's a lot of the shame and guilt of like, why didn't I push to go back? But you know what I mean? A lot of it's not there. You know, the island is really, it, it's not in ruins. I don't want to say it like that. But if you, if you follow what's happening in Puerto Rico, there's just yeah. a lot going on there.
0: Yeah, Um, it's not as legislation-wise
1: as as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. it's not as fixed as it should be. But yeah, no, I have been been. a lot.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a whole other side point.
0: Um, to change, um, our conversation or kind of shift gears. How do you think then you've chosen, knowing your background and your history? How then have you chosen, like, what you wanted your professional life to be like?
1: It's a very good question because I'm actually really in the midst of figuring that out. So I appreciate you asking that because this is what, I hope this is what you're meaning. I, so I don't have a middle name growing up. I was always just Nicole Rodriguez. My mom and dad don't have middle names. I don't really know the reasoning every time I ask. So all that being said, I took Rodriguez as my middle name. So I am Nicole Rodriguez Mullis, which is my, or I just said my full name. It's okay. Um, Fine. And so I'm I'm saying that to say I professionally at first did not want to use Rodriguez in my name because I remember watching a lot of YouTube videos and articles of just the racism in applying for jobs of just seeing your last name on your resume. I'm sure you, you know that too. You know me, I'm not acting. So I think professionally I was like, oh, this was still, when I was creating my professional identity, I was still very much in my I'm white phase, right? So I think now I'm in a time where I really either want to hyphenate or like, I feel like I'm at a time where I'm really wanting to embrace it um, professionally and start using that. I am like a Hispanic woman, you know I a mean? A lot of, hopefully that answered your question. So to wanting to bring more attention to it for so long when I did not want to.
0: It wasn't, but I think this does bring up a oh, good point. Okay. <laughs> only because um this sounds similar to have you ever seen the psych show like psych tv show where it's like the psychic detective
1: i know what it's about but i haven't seen it
0: so um the white actor in the show i um because i had started rewatching psych because i found out there were psych movies um i really liked psych growing up but some episodes don't they don't they didn't age well but oh. um the uh the main actor who plays the psychic detective because of George Floyd and because of everything has also now put back his Latin last name so he professionally Mm. went by James Roday but then he put it back and was wrote James Roday Rodriguez because he's like with everything that has happened um because he's also white passing he's like with everything that has happened with understanding all the racism that has happened um he put it back Um, partly to show like he is part of this community and also with regret that why he took it off in the first place because he had also said yes this was all based on an article I read that he had also said like people weren't hiring me when I had Rodriguez in the name because Mm -hmm. like they would only give me auditions for like a gang member or they would say like I'm not Latin enough or I wasn't white enough so he took Mm -hmm. it out and that's when he started getting gigs and after George Floyd, he like learned some things and he was like, I was essentially perpetuating the things I was trying to run away from. And so I think it's like yes. very similar um, storylines, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. So I, I very much think there, there are plenty of people who've gone through very similar things, um, but why then did you choose counseling as your professional career?
1: Oh, yes. As soon as I answered that the first time, Merlinda, I was like, oh, this is probably what she was meaning to do that. So I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> meaning of that is why I went into that professionally. Um, but I did not know that about that actor. So that is interesting. So anyways, side note, I appreciate you sharing that because I think I, I definitely experienced the same thing. And then you have the whole, I don't want to do it because it's trendy, right? Like I was like, do I feel pressure yeah. to do it? I'm like, no, I actually just feel safe to do it. And I think there's a difference. Mm-hmm. But, um. But to your point, I always wanted to go into counseling and I would say that was probably more my sister being adopted than my, than being Hispanic. That really shaped that view of wanting to be a counselor, but I would imagine that they're all tied in because I started therapy at a young age, so I realized that it really helped me. Um, but I think just the idea of, I really liked sitting with people and, um, um, so yeah, no, I, that's really what drew me to counseling. And also the, the social justice part of counseling was always really important to me. Um, cause again, even though I was like hiding from it, I still very much wanted to, to help people that were like me, I guess that, if that makes sense. Um, so that's really what brought me into counseling. Do
0: you think. You've been able to like complete that goal since being a counselor and since um, being able to therapize clients. There's not a better word, therapize. Therapize. I know.
1: I know. I I think so because this is again a little bit of a tangent, but it, for adding context, I think it's more when I would have Hispanic clients knowing how how safe they felt of like oh wow I'm really able to offer a space to them that I wish I would have had when I was younger and just realizing that it's important for representation in general which is why I loved working in higher ed as a therapist because I was like oh I want like I literally went all through college never having a Latin professor or to my knowledge I, I should say you know if they didn't it wasn't obvious, even like when I took Spanish or like they were still white professors. Um, so I think it was to all of that point, one, I feel like I've been able to offer that safe space, but also I hope that it, it was helpful to see that I, I was a first gen, I am Hispanic and I can work in higher ed, and be a counselor and all of those things, so.
0: What is that like for you to be able to give that space and like see the effect um, it has on students? Cause I would imagine many people are like you that you're that many of us are like i want to give um to the students and the people after me the things that i couldn't get
1: it's kind of emotional sometimes like i remember really sitting with clients and as a therapist as you know in i'm sure you had some more training obviously it's not our time to be emotional but I, there was a client that i remember i cried after just because i was like wow i I really admired my clients because they were younger doing the work that I really hid from for a long time. And I was like, wow, I love how far we've come as a society, you know, that they're able to do a lot of this work now where I was very much not there. So it's kind of emotional for me to reflect on, if that makes sense of like, Oh, I really, you know, I admire that they're there, but also just to see, we all know that feeling when we feel we have a safe person to talk to so I loved and I would hear that feedback because I was like, wow, I am really able to do what I wanted to do. So when you asked, did I feel like accomplished? I, I do feel like I did that.
0: Yeah, it must feel really rewarding. But also to your point, I I agree. Like when I meet other college students or like high school students who have language that I'm like, I didn't get this till college or like after. Exactly. And the fact that you're able to do it now is extremely impressive. Mm-hmm but sometimes I'm like, is that because of like social media is now more widespread than I when know. we were younger?
1: Because we had social media, it was not the same. Yeah, On it was not. It
0: nowhere near. It was no. not like this.
1: My and space then, was not help, this. You know, I mean, yeah, no, I, uh, petition to take or to bring back my space. I loved MySpace, but Looking back, it probably would have been helpful to your point. We probably would have learned a lot more language on social media, or I would have, you know, like I follow like Latinx therapy accounts. Like there's a lot of those, you know, on Instagram and are all, I'm like, this would have been helpful because there's, you know, on top of being a counselor, as you know, then there's obviously to be a culturally competent counselor, right? So meaning I was even learning language from within my own Latin community of like, oh, there's a word for this. Like I never knew, you know, like kind of really kind of talking about unlearning, that's a whole other thing I really had to unlearn too, just a lot of the I don't want to say toxic because I do love my culture but just kind of understanding like gender roles you know what I mean like a lot of things like that in the healing process of like we do have more language we don't have to fall into the same gender roles that our my grandparents did and things like that that can be really evident in
0: Hispanic and minority communities but
1: yeah yeah. I I gotta bring it back to mental health
0: (laughs) I have those um those days where I think about like the parts of my culture that I feel like are problematic do I feel like they're problematic because I'm American or are they actually problematic and really thinking and kind of balancing the between of like the like harm in something being traditional because it's traditional or the or like am I just shitting on traditionalism you know and so I'm like those are like yeah yeah like those are debates I have within myself about different things that I'm like do I feel like this is wrong because it's actually wrong or because I'm American and those are different ideals so it's 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 been a very interesting like right especially in this time of like decolonialism and really thinking about what does that look like how do you pick the parts that you're like these are the healthier parts like these are the parts we want to celebrate versus the like other parts that were like maybe that's not the best um but yeah but I say all that to say thank you so much Nicole for joining me today I very very much enjoyed our conversation Um, we are unfortunately out of time but to close out is there anything that you would like to promote or to talk about or just last things
1: Well, one, I appreciate you having me. And just like I said, it's even healing for me to talk all through this. And I know you do that for a lot of people in this podcast and for yourself. So I appreciate that. And also with everything going on in the world, I just encourage people to look into Planned Parenthood if you're in a state that does not um, with all of the legislation going on. And that's really what I would encourage people if they have um, the means to donate or just to get involved in um, a local Planned
0: Parenthood. Great. I concur. Thank you so much, Nicole. I very much appreciate it.